worm tacos and ant eggs. So if you take them out, think of something really good to feed them. <laughs> yeah, ant eggs and worm tacos. Yes. Yummy. You know, and whatever's put before you, give thanks and eat it with joy. Don't ask. That is the original don't ask, don't tell. But we're looking forward to them being, being here in service and seeing the continued linking of our hearts. And uh, praise the life group leaders, two, uh, two weeks, our life group leader meeting, so don't miss that. And I want to I thank Greg Muster and Gary, who came yesterday. Uh, of course, Zach was here helping me. Um, he, he, he did all this plowing in his truck. And then an angel, sh it was a lot of snow to push around. At the, at, in, in the last few minutes, I saw a tractor out there. Do we know who that was? He owes, you know, you know, Greg, he has a big truck, but it's just, it's a pickup truck with a plow on it. And that was a lot of snow and he was doing really good. And all of a sudden this tractor came in and moved the big piles around. And I'm like, praise the Lord for that. So. It's good. That's how the body works. People show up and, and just help when there's a need. And it's great. So thanks, Greg, so much. It's Valentine's Day week. And this is also um, a special, a special week. Yes, and guys, you know, this is the uh, reminder. You know, we, you, I want to encourage you wives, women, you know, you always want to give hints to your to your significant other to your husband of valentine's day is coming up this is a hint right about now you go out into your yard and you put a big sign in your yard stake it and it says valentine's day is this thursday that's a hint for us and then on thursday morning you hit him in the head and say valentine's day is today that's that's what we think is a hint don't hint around the, the you know going i like flowers we'll say good good <laughs> So, but uh, also this week is National Marriage Week. Does anyone know about that National Marriage Week? This started in, in 1996 in, in, uh, in England, actually, in the United Kingdom. And we finally began to promote it in 2002, so they got ahead of us, raising up the standard of what marriage is and, and pushing marriage forward and, and lifting it up as to what it should be. There's been a, a breakdown in marriage uh, radically over the last 30, 40 years. And we're in the middle of a war still. And someone once said, before you remove a fence, you need to ask why the fence was erected in the first place. And I want to propose this morning that there are societal, there was a societal and scriptural fence that was erected by God 6,000 years ago. And a lot of people in our culture are seeking to tear that fence down that was built by God. And they've been doing that actively for decades. And the, the fence I'm talking about is, is marriage. Whether it was no-fault divorce laws, rising out of wedlock birth rates, Government support of fornication through welfare laws. The increase of single-parent homes or the rise of homosexuality and homosexual marriage 
The sacred institution of marriage is and has been under attack by the forces of hell itself. You know, the devil uses many means and as many means as possible, including things that you'll remember. Free love. It wasn't free after all, was it? No-fault divorce, glorifying single-parent families, radical homosexuality. With the aid of Hollywood and the media, liberal judges, he, the enemy of God, Satan himself, is determined to dismantle traditional marriage as we know it. In fact, he has succeeded on a broad scale. We, however, are not of this world. We are in a national fight, yes, a fight to define marriage as between one man and one woman. But our fight is so much bigger than that. The understanding of biblical marriage died in many parts of this country a long time ago. We just never went to the funeral. Maybe a better analogy is that biblical marriage and state law marriage got a divorce many years ago. And we were the children of that divorce. Unfortunately, state law got custody of the majority of the children. And the state law has been raising us ever since. And as is the case when one parent raises a child, the viewpoints of the former spouse begin to ebb. Slowly, almost unnoticeable. Until we have no contradictory thoughts to the parent who has custody. We line themselves up over time with the parent who's raising us and never think about the parent that doesn't have custody. We've given ourselves over to the state in so many cases that we are now looking to the state wholly to define what marriage is. The state cannot, should not define marriage for me. My God has already done that. And we need to understand the biblical mandate and the biblical definition of marriage. This morning, I want to light a beacon, a bonfire of types, for all of us in here to see. My hope, our need, is that each of us would would be so influenced by this fire, this beacon, this bonfire, that we ourselves would be set ablaze and then we would become a walking beacon, a walking fire. A beacon's a guiding light that we would become even as our name, Christian Center, has, we'd become lighthouses. That we would shine a light, that we would influence others, pointing out the danger and revealing safety upholding what biblical marriage is to our society. It doesn't matter who you are this morning, if you're old or young, if you're male or female, if you're happily married, happily single, if you're unhappily married or unhappily single. You know, God created marriage. He created family. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but he could have created just one sex. Let that sink in for a minute. He didn't have to. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. He chose to create 
two sexes. Every, every law that we understand, God created. That, that, this might bother you a little bit. As I, it bothered me when I first it felt like God showed me. Says, I could have made just one sex. I said, well, but everything you need two sexes to procreate. He says, but I created that law. He created it. So he could have created it so that wasn't necessary. He chose to create male and female. He chose to put his attributes into two genders. See, I believe that God embodies both characteristics of male and female. And if you haven't figured out that males are different from females, we'll pray for you. There's a huge difference in the way we approach life. We approach so many things. God embodies all of these characteristics. He decided to put his characteristics into man and woman. And he spread them out. Go to Genesis 1.26. Starting in verse 26, Genesis. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now I want to point out that this word man is Adam in, in Hebrew. That's where we get the word Adam. It means mankind. It doesn't always just refer to a man or Adam himself. In fact, the word Adam in, in I believe it's Judges, actually refers to women only. So this word is mankind. Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God, this is the general account of God creating the world, and he creates man and woman. When we go to chapter 2, we go actually go back. See, chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1 here, he's giving the general account that he created male and female. When we go to chapter 2, he goes back and says, let me explain how that happened. And then we see the creation of Adam. He, he formed Adam. And then he brings the animals to Adam. Now, before he brings the animals to Adam, he says in verse 18, chapter 2, he says, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Verse 18. So let's see, God created everything. An incredibly complex system of planets and stars. He put incredible complex laws into motion. Gravity, thermodynamics, entropy. He put all these things together. He, he did all of these amazing things. He gave light different characteristics than sound. And then he did, he did all of that and then went, oh, bummer. I didn't think of this. 
Maybe I should do something for this guy. He looks lonely. I wish I would have made someone for him. I guess, oh, I know. I'll make him a woman. You know, I, I, I'll have to admit, I kind of looked at it like that. And I've, I, I believe I've heard messages where God made all these things, then says, I'm going to make a helper suitable for you. And he brought animals to Adam to name them and to see if any of the animals would be suitable for him. I've actually heard, that's not what he did. You know, and I'm, I, I'm not talking sexual, so... But, but, you know, maybe some animal will just, he'll, you know, he'll be like a little kid whose uh, puppy dog is enough. No. God wasn't thinking that. So why did he wait? Why did he wait to make woman? So that God, so that Adam, so that Adam could look at all of those, all of these things and say, I need I need and he created woman now I, I heard that and I don't think this is quite true but that God said to Adam I'm going to make you a, the perfect woman she's going to be perfect she's going to be everything to you she'll do everything she'll even cook and clean and do your laundry but it's going to cost you It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam said, what will I get for a rib? You know, get all these, all, these, all these stories, all these things, but God knew what he was doing. He created man. He, he said, you know, Adam, it's not good that you should be alone, but let's bring all the animals. All the, all the animals, that took a while. So a lot of wonderful animals in the world that could help Adam do the things that he needed to do. I mean, you know, th- you know, monkeys can be pretty, you know, they can even, you know, build things, you know, you can. It was part of his plan. Man needed woman and woman needed man. But there was something in that man that God says, I need to make sure he understands that he needs a woman. Not just to cure his loneliness, but he needs a completion. The Bible says a helpmate comparable to himself comparable to himself in the Hebrew it's it's the corresponding one so if you have a a shape it's the corresponding one it fits you need the other part someone he needed to complete him no matter what definition the state gives to marriage we have to make sure that we don't ever accept their definition of marriage as as believers I believe we need to show we need to do to do more and show we need to tout we need to encourage God's definition of marriage to be accepted no matter what the state says see already the state has defined marriage less much less than God defines it He, ins- he instituted marriage for a reason. But before you remove a fence, you need to ask why it was there in the first place. The enemy, he really wants to destroy God and anything that points to God. Satan wants, he's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
And he's trying to destroy marriage. And he has been, but it hasn't worked completely. So now he's trying to redefine it. He wants to make it even less valuable, less special. He wants to make it not exceptional, and God's marriage is exceptional. The question for us is, whose definition are we going to accept? What do we think marriage is? Whose definition will you defend? And then whose definition of marriage will you emulate? We're, we're living in a watered-down definition of marriage. Where we accept the fact that two people walk into a non-religious place, uncounseled, get a state certificate that says that they're married, and we say, oh, they're married, because the state says they're married. And then when somebody wants to get a divorce, as long as they get a legal divorce, the church says, well, they're legally divorced. They're okay again. We're Christians. We live at a different standard at a different level. God has so much more for us in this idea of marriage. One of the problems today in our society is that we're not emulating biblical marriage. We don't see good examples of biblical marriage. We don't live a good example of biblical marriage. And maybe it's because we really don't know what that is. Maybe we haven't personally seen enough good examples. But just because we don't see enough good examples doesn't mean that the real thing isn't good. There are people in this room, probably, who really don't like the idea of marriage. They've seen bad examples. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're married and don't like marriage. But you're single and you go, you know, that marriage, just, it's just bad. Because we've seen so many wrong examples of what marriage is. Don't give up on it. The real thing is good. We wouldn't stop spending money if we started getting a lot of counterfeit money. We would just become experts at recognizing the wrong, the false. We need to learn how to recognize what's real and what's not. We wouldn't want to start producing our own counterfeits just because there was a lot of other counterfeits going on because that drops the value of money. As we live counterfeit ideas of what marriage is like, as we give in to that, it drops the value of what real marriage is. And that's one of the fights we're living with today in this culture. So what are we to do? There's a few things this morning I want to talk about. And one, we need to realize that marriage was instituted, it was ordained, it was established by God. And we need to erase the understanding of what marriage looks like and go back to say, God, what did you intend for man and woman? And say, that's what marriage is. You know, its purpose was to bring fulfillment and completion and complement. God brought all the animals to Adam for him to name, but before that, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. God didn't bring an animal. He didn't think an animal was suitable for Adam. But Adam needed to realize it himself. Marriage should be a fulfillment and a completion. Unfortunately, we run off as single people and we, we find the, the wrong person or somebody. We don't wait and we don't work on being a completion to them and letting them be a completion to us. Let's go to Ephesians 5.22. Marriage was instituted by God. 
but we need to choose to have a biblical marriage. And the only way we can do that is if we're empowered, empowered by the Spirit. We need the Lord so strongly in our marriages. I want to encourage the single people, don't completely check out because this is for all of us today. And I'll explain that. Even if you never plan on being married or married again. We need to choose to have a biblical marriage. Once we understand that God instituted this, and we don't exactly know yet what it is, marriage, but we, we need to make that choice to say, if I'm going to have a marriage, I want to have a spirit-empowered biblical marriage. And Ephesians 5.22 sets this up for us. I used to own a wedding chapel. Some of you know that, some of you don't. Did a lot of weddings, well over a thousand weddings. And, and many times before I did the, the wedding service, the the woman would say, do you read that thing about wives submitting to your husbands? Don't do that. And it's, a, you know, people get a little chuckle. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to add that wives submit to your, you know, right there, they're going, wait a second. That is not a biblical picture. You take that out. That's not biblical marriage. Now, some of you might be cringing already in here because we've seen a wrong, we have a wrong understanding of what that looks like. Verse 22, Ephesians says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. It was always a great time when I was doing weddings that I could witness through these scriptures. And I, and I would say, let me read this to you. And I'd say, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And she goes, exactly. That's just, they, I feel like so put down, I have to submit to him no matter what. And I said, let's keep reading. 25 husbands Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, Jesus loved the church so much that he died for her. A painful, horrific death because he loved us so much. And if your husband, I would say, were to love you so much that he would literally die for you and go to the extreme ends of the earth to show his love for you, he would ask nothing of you that would be hard to submit to and be wrong to submit to. And she... Every time she would say, put that in. I'll submit if he'll love me like that. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. That's the beginning picture, and it really encompasses everything of a biblical marriage. It's a, it's a marriage where the husbands will be the lovers of their wife, that they will love them like Christ loved us and loves us, offering himself. But there's also a part in here that says that he is the head, The Bible calls men to be the head of their house. You want a biblical marriage? Men, be the head. Be the leader. Be the spiritual leader. We need this. This is a spiritual position. It's not, a, it's not a, a, just a natural position. This isn't the, the thing that says, you're the head of the house. You don't just get to 
to say, you know, hey, I'm the, how, I'm the head of this household and I'm going to do whatever I want. You don't get to be a numbskull. You know, obey me or else, woman. That's not, that's not what Christ does. It's a spiritual position. Be the head. Be the head. Be the leader in your home as you love. As you love your wife like Christ loved the church, be a spiritual leader. And if you love your wife, you will be the head. And I'm hitting this because there's a lot of men that don't lead their homes. They allow the wife to lead the home. They allow the, their wife to lead their home in devotions and spiritual matters. And it's, it's, there's a difference between when, when somebody usurps authority and leads on their own and when you delegate authority. Husbands, we need to lead. We have the authority. And we need to lead into godliness. We need to be that godly spiritual head of our house. But with any position of leadership comes a radical responsibility. The buck always stops with the leader. Always. And did you know that whether or not you're in a leading right now or not, if you've allowed your, your wife, and I'm saying this to all the people, I hope this message will go around. If, if you're married and you're allowing your wife to lead, you don't get the excuse to say, well, she made this choice. You're the leader. Period. It's, it's a tough responsibility. But God in you will help you lead your family into righteousness, into godliness. Now, any good leader needs help, needs wisdom. We are completed by our spouse. We seek advice, counsel, wisdom, prayer. But the buck stops with the man. I, I really don't want anyone to get a wrong picture. If you're confused about anything I'm saying, Let's, let's spend more time. We don't have enough time to talk about all these things this morning. Be the head. The buck stops with you. I think of contractors. I'm thinking of you know, Greg or Josh or whoever's a contractor in here. When you get the job, the buck stops with you. It's always your fault. You, you hire an electrician. You hire a subcontractor who should know what they're doing and they mess up the job and it's your fault. <laughs> Sergeants in the military, if their platoon messes something up, the sergeant doesn't say, well, it was their fault. The buck stops with the leader. Guys, we need to figure it out. We need to figure out how to do this, how to lead our homes. And we're not going to do it in the Sunday morning message. I'm going to give a couple of things that we can do. We need to pray and read the Bible. We need to ask God for wisdom. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. Praise God, because we already have a lot of faults as men. But when we ask God for wisdom, he's going to begin to give us wisdom, and he's not going to find fault. He's going to help us from where we're at. He is the most incredible leader we need to search the scriptures say god what is a biblical man what is a biblical marriage what does a leader look like in your eyes and pray these things show me god what a godly husband looks like
On top of that, there's some great books that you can read about being a leader, about being a godly man. And I think we should, a third thing we should do is talk to other leaders, godly husbands who are leading their homes. Look around and say, you know, he's, he's a godly man. He's leading his home. I need help. How do we do this? One, wives, even though it started with you in, in Ephesians, I'm, I started with the men, so now I'm going to pick on the wives. Ladies, it says, submit to your own husband. And I thought that's an interesting way to put it. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, I, I, I don't know for sure if this is why I was here, but I began to think of the many times that I've heard women say things like, I wish you were more like the pastor. He's such a good guy. They want to submit to somebody else's husband. They don't want to submit to their own husband. I was reading this Christian romance novel, and this guy is so wonderful. I wish you were more like him than I would submit to you. Submit to your own husband. God gave you a gift in your own husband. Don't run off and have a, a romantic fantasy of what life would be like with someone else. God gave you a gift. Your gift isn't complete. Recognize that gift and then pray. Pray, pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your husband. God, help me to help him to be a great leader and help me submit to it. And I encourage you to read. Read the word. Find strength in him. Find strength in the Lord. Now, I, I, I need to throw this in here because immediately we're going to say, there's going to be people who says, you know, you don't know my husband and I can't submit to that. This isn't a counseling session. If that's the case, come and talk to me. We'll, we'll, if you really need counseling, if, you're, if your marriage is in need, we'll, that's one of the things in here. We want to help you. If you're in physical danger, this is my counsel always. Remove yourself phys- physically. Never ever put up with physical danger, physical abuse in your life. Remove yourself and your children. Same t- and, and these days I have to say to the men, men, if you're living in a physically abusive relationship, remove yourself physically. But not emotionally and spiritually. Don't check out just because that's out of place yet. Remove yourself and keep praying. You made a covenant to be married. Get yourself out of physical harm, but you pray and you intercede for your your marriage. You intercede that God would get a hold of your spouse and don't start wandering off and going, well, that field is closed. I need to find a new one. You need to press through until God absolutely, absolutely releases and that's another more in-depth conversation. Fight for your marriage. Stay in there because marriage is a covenant, not a contract. That's biblical marriage. I'm going to post this on the notes. I'm just going to read them real quickly. I found it. I'll give a couple of, of, of tips. Um, but there'll, there'll be some more resources and tips in the Bible uh, or on the website for this message this weekend. But some things that you can do to help help your marriage is is one, just begin to pray for it. 
and then begin to pray together. Prayer is going to change the dynamics of your marriage. We have to uphold this biblical side of marriage. Another, another quick one. Husbands and wives, when's the last time you had a date? You need to continue to date your spouse. Go do things just the two of you. Find things that you like to do. Go for walks. Go bowling. Do something. Find people who can speak into your marriage. Find a mentor couple that you can spend time with and, and get advice and help from in your relationships. Don't walk this walk alone. There are some wonderful books and resources. Pick up a do-it-yourself encounter weekend for you and your spouse and read some fun things that you guys can do together. Read books, The Power of Praying Together, things like this. I'm not selling any of these. I've just grabbed a few things off of my shelf. There's, an, there's another one that says, The Power of a Praying Wife, and I bet you a number of you have read that in here. It's a powerful book. Do devotions together. The first years of forever. Begin to pray and read the Word of God together. Guys, we're adults in here. Read books like this, intended for pleasure. Did you know God is the one who created sex? And, and he thinks, and he wants us to think that sex rocks between a husband and a wife. There's a lot of issues. Don't be afraid to get a resource like this and read it with your spouse. These weren't in any particular order, by the way. Get books like this, Communication, the Key to Your Marriage. You know, women speak about 25,000 words a day. Men, on average, 10 to 15,000. I'm probably above average on that for a guy. You have to learn how to communicate together. We don't, we, we, men don't always have a lot of words by the end of the day, so you need to learn how to communicate and that it's important to. Get resources. There's a resource that we have here at the church. It's... it's DVDs and workbooks and it's a whole marriage counseling setup and and we I want to offer this let's get healthy marriages let's get strong marriages let's set an example of why marriage should be upheld to the to the society statistic after statistic say that kids that come from broken homes will have higher rates of divorce themselves, higher rates of unhappiness. Did you know that married people make more money than single people? Statistically, it's true. God chose us to live in relationship with with one another, and he made this a beautiful picture of his relationship with us in marriage. We don't want to let marriage fail. Let's hold that up. Let's begin to do that. Now, I want to talk just a moment to some of the single people in here. And some of us who are, are married, but we see the single people around. It's hard to be single. We need to pray for those that are, that are single in our congregations. Widowed, divorced, unmarried, still looking for the right one. We need to pray for them and pray with them. And here's some things. Pray that God's will be done in their life. And don't just offer counsel all the time. Just pray that God's will be done for them. 
Maybe God will use them more as a single person, connected into a family, but they need God's peace to accept that season and that place in their life. But you know what? That's God's business. Pray, God, your will be done in their life. Give them peace and patience and security, God. No matter what, they might, maybe they're supposed to be married, but God needs to bring their helpmate to them. Pray for them that they won't choose the wrong one. Eve was the right one for Adam. Adam was the right one for Eve. Ladies, not all men. Now think this, this is the connection here, right? All these animals came in front of Adam. Not all men are dogs, pigs, or jackasses. Don't pick them. Pick the one that's for you. You need to pick the one that's for you. God's not going to bring you a pig or a dog. Set your heights higher than that. Set your heights sights on what God has for you. Men, the same thing. Wait for God to bring you your Eve because then you're going to be complete. Pray for healing in, in, in single people. There's a lot of healing. There's brokenness that happens when you get a divorce. Pray for healing. Another thing we can do is reach out and include people in your family. Look for singles. Look for those who don't have family themselves and include them in yours. It's one of the great things about life groups. God places us in families. He wants us in families. We should all be in a family. And if there are single people in this room that aren't, then that needs to change. Embrace them. Make sure that people are spending time with you and your family. And I'm not just talking about your true, I'm talking about the family of God, our life groups, your personal family. You know, he wants us in families and every once in a while, people get to start their own families. I want to speak to you singles. Wait on the Lord. Psalm 41. I want to read that real quick. Wait on the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. Single people, I remember being single. I had the cry. God, bring me my spouse. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. He established my step. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and they will trust the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside life. Blessed in verse 4. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust. Wait on him. Trust the Lord. Psalms 27, 13 says, I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's encouragement, but it's a lot easier to wait on the Lord when you're being loved by a family and you feel like you've got support. We need to support one another. You know, in general, I just say marriage rocks. Marriage rocks, but sometimes rocks are bumpy. You know, they're hard. It's hard to be married. It's not always a smooth thing. It's all of our jobs, whether you're single, young or old or married, to encourage biblical marriage. We've got to watch our language. We've got to watch our thinking. We've got to watch our, our mouths for sure. 
We should always as believers be advocates for marriage. God's way. God's way. He, he established it and instituted it. We just have to admit that we've done it wrong. We've done it wrong for a long time, but we come up to right now and say, thank God for His grace. It doesn't matter if you did it wrong. You might be in a marriage or went through a marriage that you got a divorce that was just a bad thing. God's grace overshadows that all. But we can't not talk about the truth in fear that somebody might be hurt. I, I, I don't want to hurt you this morning. Fall on the rock of Jesus and say, God, thank you for your grace. You know, he can redeem everything. He can redeem a broken marriage. He can redeem bad decisions and bad choices if we just fall on him. And he can bring something so beautiful out of the ashes. But together, we need to begin to say, God, I want to see a biblical marriage lifted up in this land because that's a picture of the love of Christ toward, toward us. God's way. Don't be condemned. Don't lose hope. If you're in a, in a marriage that's really struggling, get help. There's people in this, even here, who could help you find the resources to strengthen your marriage. Marriage is God's blessing in this earth. It's his God's picture of what he and the church is supposed to look like. Fight for your marriage. Don't be another casualty. We're going to stand as we close. And I understand that this brings up emotions and, and things. And we want to allow plenty of time at the end to just come and come and pray to receive grace, forgiveness if it's needed. But we need to make a commitment that we would begin to more and more fight for marriage and fight for biblical marriage. That means that, that when you have a friend who's struggling in their marriage, your advice is just leave the, leave the bum. I mean, I'm sure we could all raise our hand and say, guilty? How many times have I done that? What about let's seek the Lord? Let's pray. Let's get you all the help you, we can muster. Let's stand for biblical marriage. Stand for those commitments. Never stay in a dangerous situation. Leave, but pray and seek the Lord. We need to make that commitment and say, God, let's do that. God, forgive us for accepting a state definition of marriage that says if it's just not working out, it's okay to get a divorce. Forgive us. If you've gone through a, a divorce that, and you've never said, God, forgive me. Just say, God, I'm so sorry that that covenant was broken. and receive His grace right now. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to spend a lot of time there. Receive His grace. God, for all of us, more and more change our heart and give us a view of what you desire to see marriage look like in this country, in this church. And help me is our prayer. God, help me to be a supporter and an advocate of 
godly biblical marriage in my own home, in my friends' lives, in my neighbors. Let me encourage healing, faithfulness, Help me be the one who would help reunite and bring healing to broken relationships when at all possible, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for for marriage and what it's intended to be. I pray for the single people in this room who desire to, to be married. God, bring healing to their hearts. Bring healing today. And in your time, according to your will, bring their perfect Eve. Strengthen. Give encouragement and peace. And Lord, help us adopt one another into our families and care for one another. Jesus, we thank you for your amazing picture of marriage being a picture of Christ and His church. We aspire to be empowered by the Holy Ghost to live and to have biblical marriage, even as a set for us, as an example for us and an example for our kids. And I would curse the enemy who would bring condemnation to anyone in this room. You cannot speak to minds and hearts. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your healing. And thank you, God, for restoring marriages even today. Restoring our love for you and our commitment to our spouse. And I pray for the courage to make different decisions for singles, for couples. To bring and to walk into healthy marriage and to bring a healthy marriage back into the home in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thanks glory. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne Before the Holy One of Heaven It's only by your blood And it's only through your mercy 